Sunday and I thought we can have like about an hour recap just what President Trump had to say and some news on Ashley Babbitt before we head into movie night. Um, but I also wanted to share some things with you. I'm, I actually uh, felt very disappointed today. I was actually at a stoplight and I overheard a person, you know, in the car listening to news. And when I was going to supermarket, man, I had so many errands to run. Like I'm surprised my cats haven't eaten me yet. Cause I had run out of cat food. Um, so I was, uh, headed to whole foods to get some meat. Um, and I was at a stoplight and you know, these people were listening to the news and I was thinking, damn, they really think that's news. That's so bizarre. First of all, that's bizarre. Second, just how sad is it, guys? It's really sad that we don't have anywhere to go where we can get informed. I mean, think about it. We have no place to actually be informed. No, no place. It's not like you can turn on Newsmax and say, yeah, I'm going to get my news there or Epic Times or, you know, anywhere. You have to go and seek it. It's quite saddening to people. I mean, I don't even remember this time. <laughs> Maybe it was because it was a minute detail and somehow being in the thick of it, it seems different now, right? It's kind of like Big Brother, right? I don't know if you guys had ever watched any of those, but everything is amplified a million percent. You think to yourself, there's no way I would totally make myself look like an ass like that on, you know, global television. And yet when you're in there, the stupidest thing, like a misplaced yogurt looks like crazy stuff, right, to you. And... Even though the people of tomorrow hate the people of today, I think it's important that we remember that you guys had nowhere to go. You were constantly being, you know, tossed around like the buck is being passed. You had bits and pieces of news here, there, everywhere. It's so sad. I, I mean, I, my heart sank. <laughs> so having said that, with a sunken heart... I enter 
Whole Foods. And right in front of me is like this flower place. And this lady was drinking water. Have you guys ever swallowed something the wrong way and choked and coughed so hard that you were crying, right? I saw something that brought sheer terror. And I had to call a few people losers under my breath into their face too. Um, so in front of me was this lady with her daughter, couldn't have been more than 15, um, shopping. And I saw her take a swig of water. And the minute she took a swig, she coughed, like she, it went everywhere. Right. And I was like, oh man, shit, that sucks. Been there, done that. Didn't say anything, just went on my way and was like, oh shit, they have strawberries. Maybe I should get some of those. Well, good thing I was there. This woman, guys, she would have been their first victim. I'll tell you what. She was walking and she started coughing, you know, like uh, she wasn't wearing a mask. So one masked Karen lady goes, oh my God, she shouldn't be here. And I was like, well, what? You're scared of a virus where 99.99% recover and then you shouldn't be out of your house. You should go home. And it's exactly how I said it. So then this other Karen jumps in for that Karen and says, you need to. And I was like, hey, loser, keep your mask on and keep going. You don't want to mess with this right now. I'm not in the mood. So I just kept going. And then further down, as I'm getting to like the little fridge place where I get, you know, my cat has feline lower uterine tract disease. So I have to give him like wet food, but he hates wet food. So there's something like in between that's in the fridge, like a kibble wet food, right? So I go to the fridge to go get it for him. Oh my gosh. And so the ladies there, She's coughing again. She's like, and her daughter's like, mom, they're going to like think you're sick, right? So the daughter starts to freak out on her. I'm like, it's okay. I, I look at the daughter and I was like, it's okay. She choked. Like, don't be mad at her because everyone else is crazy. So then this older Karen, you know, the one that's like, that thinks her shit doesn't stink. The one that has an opinion about everyone, but is, you know, super loser. Yeah, that one. And, um... Uh, yeah, it's urinary. Thank you. Not uterine. Um, she, she turns around and tells her, I'm going to call the health authority on you. And I was like, dude, I'm going to call the police. If you harass this woman, like right now, you're a loser. And then someone comes and he looks at her and he's like, man, and I was like, dude, go away. Mind your business. They don't pay you enough for this. Go away. Don't be a loser. So I used the word loser a few times and kept going. Um, I just, you know, what people don't realize is that these people have been conditioned to consider you the enemy to their health. You know, if they're that scared, psh, fucking stay home. Don't come out. And the thing is, nobody stuck up for anyone. Let's say she was sick and she was coughing. Dude, I have cancer. I'll cough every now and then. You know, I, once I was coughing and someone looked at me, I was like, what? I'm fat and I smoke. What? I got COVID. Then go home. Like this is, this is a problem. These are the people that are going to fire up the ovens. These are the people that are going to be okay with you getting executed because you refuse to vaccinate. These are the people that think it's okay for you to be unpersoned because you are not vaccinated or you do not abide by the rules. These are your enemies and they're your own people because they've trained them so. So... It was, it was, for me, it was just terrifying to see the start of it, you know, where you see it 
and you know that that's the source. And I'm praying to God that we shift real quick, really, really quick, you know, because it's, it's so incredible what we have seen. (sighs) Have you ever felt it where you lift your hands up in the air and you're like, Oh God, please help us. And then you actually feel something and you kind of almost feel it. You almost feel what I'm going to tell you, which is that he's already has his people everywhere around the world ready, creating a movement like no other. There are many things happening. Thousands of angels are gathered to fight this fight. Thousands, if not millions. So you are not alone. And I hope you can hear that. I hope you can hear that. So today's show, we're going to cover, I think we should cover first the Ashley Babbitt stuff. Because, of course, it was crazy Sean Spicer that was breaking the story. And Tom Fitton didn't seem really, I don't want to say excited, but he felt kind of odd being there. That's how it came off. Kind of low energy. I'm feeling like all these interviews, even President Trump's interview, was kind of lame. I mean, he was with Dan Bongino. Like, who told him that Dan Bongino has anyone listening to him anyway? Here we go. Ashley Babbitt on July, January 6th have remained unanswered. Well, until today, Judicial Watch has just obtained a trove of new emails, over 1,100 pages of them related to those events. The emails reveal that the medical examiner requested her remains to be cremated just two days after receiving her body. The emails also reveal that her fingerprints were sent to an undeliverable email address that resulted in an error message written in Chinese characters, raising even more questions about the handling of this case. Here to break down these shocking findings is the president of Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton. Tom, good to see you back here. Thanks for having me on again, Sean. Appreciate it. Okay, I'm way out of my league on this. Why would the medical examiner's office request a cremation of her body, particularly so soon, especially since the case was still pending. Is that odd? It struck me as odd. Uh, You know, maybe the family requested it and they accommodated the family's request on their behalf. I don't know. Uh, But this was an active investigation. They hadn't determined the cause or manner of death. Uh, You know, applying for the cremation doesn't necessarily mean the cremation took place. But, you know, why is this a mystery to me is a mystery to me. Because this is a major issue. Uh, what happened on uh, January 6th, we're told, is the most uh, important event in the history of man. And uh, this woman was killed at the Capitol. And it's only now we're first getting documents about the investigation of her death. We still don't know who shot her. Uh, and uh, this basic information about the investigation, you would have thought would have been released in a more timely way. What's What else is interesting here is they seem to have determined the cause and manner of her death in early January, I think January 13th or 14th. Right. Toxicology report, the preliminary results of that were received, I think, in February. So even given them until February, it wasn't until April that they finally give us basic information 
uh, determining it was a homicide publicly and the cause and manner of death. And, and, you know, you have to wonder why the delay. And of course, Officer Sicknick was delayed even further, the results. And frankly, we only got that after we sued the public disclosure of his uh, uh, manner of death, which was not a homicide, but natural causes. So you got to wonder, given the delay, is this politics? Was the Trump impeachment one of the reasons they withheld information from the American people about how all these people died? Remember, there were three others who died out of natural causes. uh, And what's going on? That's what I want to know. And that's why we're in court trying to get basic information. Well, Tom, you talk about this timeline of figuring out that it was a homicide on January 13th by the medical examiner's office. But it wasn't that they only withheld it. They didn't give it when asked because members of the media were asking the OCME for those details in February. So this is a long delay for them having the answer, not giving the answer and withholding that information from the media, ultimately from the American people. Yeah, they were the documents show they were communicating with the mayor's office. So you had a politician involved. Uh, why, why was the mayor's office involved in a criminal potentially uh, murder investigation, depending on what the conclusions were. What's going on? Uh, you but, know. but also, I don't get why you brought this up a moment ago, Tom. We still don't know, at least publicly, the name of the officer who shot Ashley Babbitt, right? We all seen it, those images on television. Was the name in any of the emails that you received? No, we don't have that information yet. And uh, I, I don't get this. Derek Chauvin's name wasn't protected when he killed George Floyd. No. And, um, you know, the left seems to say, well, you know, Ashley Babbitt was doing something seemingly illegal. So too bad. Well, that's not the way the rule of law is supposed to work. I want the investigative report about how that how that shooting took place, whether it was justified or not. I want the name of the officer. It's something that would be required from any other major police department, frankly, also the FBI, the FBI wouldn't be able to withhold this information, but because it's Nancy Pelosi's police force, the rule of law doesn't apply and basic transparency requirements don't apply. Unbelievable. I want to bring up something else, Tom, that Sean mentioned in the beginning, that there were fingerprints from Ashley Babbitt that were requested to be sent to some email, uh, but that email was, it was undelivered. And there was an error email received with Chinese characters in it. Does this mean anything to you? Was that odd at all? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll defer to the uh, computer experts. To suggest- well, you know what's odd? Why would they, why would someone request her fingerprints to be sent? I mean, the ME has that, but why specifically the fingerprints? Forget the Chinese response because it must have just come off of Akamai, which is Chinese. Anyone using Akamai, Edge, it's all freaking Chinese. Unicom is Chicom, okay? So let's stop right there. Why did they request the fingerprints? That's the key question, not the email coming back with Chinese characters, all right? Because, yeah, that could be important. Maybe it was sent to a Chinese company. Maybe it was sent to the Chinese government. Maybe, 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 maybe. All right. But why fingerprints? Why was the request sent to one email? Who sent the request and why? Just to me that they misdelivered an email to China. And how else would you want to interpret that? Can I ask a question? When you got this, were you surprised? 
I mean, I know you guys do this all the time. You go for it. Were you surprised you got the emails? Uh, they did give us the document. Damn, Sean Spicer looks like he's sitting on a Lincoln log. Look, we sued the D.C. government. Thankfully, we didn't have to sue the federal government for this. Uh, you know, we usually get a quicker answer when you sue a locality. Uh, but the District of Columbia Police presumably investigated this death. Uh, so we're interested to know what else is out there uh, and um, hopefully get additional information in addition to this. Uh, again, this is something Nancy Pelosi and Senator Schumer can release immediately, which is any report done by the Capitol Hill Police Department of Ashley Babbitt's death, uh, including the name of the officer involved in the shooting. Uh, yeah, why did we have all the officers' names, addresses, DNA, fucking you name it, we had it, when they accidentally, supposedly killed a guy that had swallowed probably a shit ton of balloons of fentanyl, right, with their knee on him. But here's someone who got point blank shot, sacrificed. They lifted her up in the air as if she was a token in the gift, and we're not getting that person's name. Why? Why? Her life doesn't matter. Just a criminal who gang raped a pregnant woman and ate some drugs matter. She she doesn't matter. Instead, now Judicial Watch has gone to the D District of Columbia government, who obviously interacted with the police here of the Capitol Hill police to try to get this information indirectly. Uh, in theory, uh, we shouldn't have to sue for information like this. But because there's this, yeah. uh, how is it you would describe it as anything other than a cover up? It is a scandal of epic proportions that we still don't have basic information about the only person who died via homicide on the on January 6th. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Tom Fenton, thank you for what you are doing at Judicial Watch to hold uh, people's feet to the fire. I know you have other uh, FOIAs in right now, so we'll have to check back in with you. Thanks for your time tonight. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, I'm Rob. He did Sean Spicer a favor because they had nothing. They had nothing to talk about, and they definitely didn't want to cover what President Trump was saying. But the one thing is, the way they raised her up looked as if she was a target. Right? It's like, here you go. There we go. We raise her up, and that's it. So um, that was quite fa fascinating. Speaking of fascinating, you know, I've said this before. The GOP is nothing but the Democrats, Right? Um, nothing but that. They're the puppet masters. And, and, and I'll reinforce it like this. What has the GOP party done for America that has changed America? I'll wait. I'll wait. You want to go back to Reagan? Anything he did was undone. So what have they done? Absolutely fuck all. Nothing. They're constantly with excuses. No, no, no. Then people are like, oh, it was Paul Ryan. Fuck Paul Ryan. They could have gotten rid of him, couldn't they? Right? Imagine if all of us were sitting in the Senate or in the House as Republicans. We would have got his ass out, his pansy ass out in a snap. He would have been gone so fast. He wouldn't be able to blink before his ass was on the street with his box and his lonely plant. Okay? That's the way it is. They do not serve you. And this goes back to the confusion that you have on the media. I see so many people getting together. Oh, gosh, and I want us to go. But you know what concerns me? The infiltration, because they're waiting for it. And what you don't see is that these, uh, 
these these really insane people. Like I have an insane stalker harasser that literally threatened me, uh, threatened my life completely. These are the people that are um, going to be the ones that are going to set us up. They're going to do another January 6th. And this time, anything, you know, you, you do, no matter how wholesome it is, they will infiltrate you. Now, this is why it's important that you guys meet up with each other. So you see each other and know each other and, 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 and have each other's back because they will come that stemming from that red digital string. Oh, the more I think about it, the more it gets me upset. They're the ones that are going to do it. They're going to cause the violence and they're going to be like, let's fight because they're firing you up with lies rather than patience, lies rather than patience. It hurts seeing it happening. It really, really hurts. But there are some really good people, really good people paying attention, trying to let you in on how things can be rectified and how we can move it along. It's not a fight that can't be won. Imagine if David said that when he saw Goliath. Uh, wouldn't have worked out so well. You know, when our founding fathers <clears throat> were in the United States, they came here with the impression that whatever they took away from the people in Europe and in Africa and in Asia, specifically Western Europe. They sent Western Europe back a hundred years, taking away technology that already exists. <laughs> we have airplanes and they're telling you they invented them at XYZ time. We still have planes from the fucking fifties flying us around. They ensured that we had such an ironclad document that there was no way that they could take it away unless we let them, unless we let them. Now, as a linguist, this place is home. And um, I have to say, um, I'm really hoping that they come out of the cracks and get things done for us. Now, here we go. We're gonna listen to this interview. We'll interrupt every now and then because um, it's important that we listen to what the president had to say. I won't show the video because the only strike that I have on my Twitch channel is through Fox. Therefore, we're going to listen to it and comment on it. This is uh, Dan Bongino, Unfiltered, really. That was my first show was called Unfiltered. <laughs> so weird. Here we go. Welcome back to Unfiltered. Joining me now is the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. President Trump, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Dan. Good to be with you. Sir, so when you were in office, you declared an emergency at the border in April of 2020 when you realized the problems you were going to have with the coronavirus. Apprehensions right. at the border dropped to 16,000, 16,000 after you made that decision. 
President Biden's done the exact opposite and apprehensions at the border are upwards of 200,000. This is a total failure, isn't it? There's never been anything like it. We had the safest border, the most secure border in the history of our country, and now we have by far the worst. Hundreds of thousands of people are pouring into our country on a monthly basis, and we're talking about millions of people, millions and millions. And the worst of all is other countries are emptying out their jails and prisoners are coming in, and these are rough prisoners. These are the toughest prisoners you'll find anywhere. And they're coming into our country totally unchecked, and it's a disgrace. There's never been anything like it. They're destroying our country. Mr. President, you had a big win, an endorsement of Mike Carey for for Congress. Big win for you and your endorsement over there. What are your feelings about 2022 and 2024, if you wouldn't mind, given the Democrats' obvious overreach, defunding the police, uh, inflation out of control? We don't even have a southern border anymore. Your feelings on 2022 and where the Democrats' uh, luck may be? Well, I feel very good about it. We also had a big win in Texas. So we had two Republicans running. We won three months ago, a big one, and we got two Republicans running, no Democrat. And the Democrats that voted, of course, voted against me. But uh, that was a tremendous win. And then we had the big win in Ohio. That was more of a normal election. And uh, Mike won by really a lot. I mean, he what he did was uh, fantastic. And uh, he trounced the opposition and some very good people in that opposition, by the way. But Mike Carey's going to do a fantastic job. He's got an election coming. He's got an election coming, but I think he's going to do very well in it. Mr. President, where do you stand on this explosion and reemergence of mandates? You know, we, we get it. We've, we've heard the science on the vaccine. Uh, I, we get it. It's a serious threat, the virus, to at-risk groups. Everybody understands that. Uh, you didn't have as much information when you got in office. It was a new virus, obviously. Where do you stand on these mandates? Well, first of all, could you imagine if I were president right now and we had this massive attack from the coronavirus, you know, now they like to call it the they have new names and they will have other new names, but it's exactly what we had. We had the same thing. If that were me, they'd be saying, what a horrible thing. What a horrible job. I don't ever hear that, you know, and these are numbers in some cases that are equivalent to what it was, uh, but we don't hear that. I think this uh, I have to be a big vaccine fan because I'm the one that got it done so quickly. We got it done in less than nine months. It was supposed to. I have to be a big vaccine fan because I'm the one that got it done so quickly. We are so lucky he did this. Don't listen to them saying that the FDA will move it up. There are guidelines. They can't change the rules because they want to change the rules to take five years they would have never even gotten it done so i'm a big fan at the same time i'm a big fan of our freedoms and people have to make that choice for themselves and i would recommend that they get it and they get it done and they're being protected and the vaccines turn out to be a a tremendous thing and uh, i also though feel strongly there are some people that do not want to do it and uh, i really believe in uh, somebody's choice somebody's freedom And that's the way it is. The mandates are crazy. And what they're doing with schools now, now they don't know are they going to keep them closed or what are they doing? The teachers union now is in flux. All of the the things that are happening, uh, people have to get back. The kids have to get back to school. They do very well against the coronavirus. They do unbelievable, or as I call it, the China virus, because that's what it is. It's the China virus. That's where it came from. 
came from the lab. I said it came from the lab. Now they're all saying, well, I guess he was right about that. But they used to take people off. They probably still do. They take them off Twitter. They take up their deep platform people when you said it came from the lab. But it came from the Wuhan lab. And uh, it's a disgrace what happened, frankly, a real disgrace. Mr. President, that uh, that segues into my next question. I was going to ask the media coverage during your administration was uh, an abomination. And that may be selling it. Sure. I mean, it was really atrocious, whether it was the Wuhan lab leak, which looks likely at this point. And accurately, um, you said that in the beginning and pointed that that could be a likely scenario. But one of the other things I find odd is. You know, you were very gracious to Democrat governors during the crisis, whether it was Governor Murphy you had at the White House or uh, Governor Cuomo, even though you have obvious political differences. You sent the comfort up there. And these Democrat governors had a really terrible record. Their deaths per 100,000 people are the worst in the country, in New York and New Jersey. And yet now it's the opposite approach by the media, sir. Now Joe Biden's in the White House, has his own crisis to deal with. And Republican governors, Abbott and DeSantis, all of a sudden are the enemies. Odd, no? Yeah. Well, it's a it's a great way of phrasing. It's very interesting. You know, I used to do a, a weekly call. We would have a weekly call with governors and all governors, Republicans, Democrats. would have 50 governors on plus because we'd have people from the islands. We'd have others. But we'd had 50 governors, and they were very gracious, and they would say, what a great job we did, unbelievable job, and then some of them would go out and do a press conference and say exactly the opposite. It was disgraceful. But uh, I could, and by the way, we could write a book on governors. I, I, I am the king of governors because I could tell you the good ones and the bad ones. And you have some very good ones and you have some really, really bad ones, both parties. But you have some good ones and some really bad, bad ones. But I noticed the way they're going after DeSantis. I noticed the way they're going after our great governor from Texas, and he's done Greg Abbott. He's done a you know really good job. Ron's done a really good job, uh, but they're going after Republican governors. I, to a much lesser extent, did that unless I thought they were doing a bad job. Some obviously did a horrible job. I mean, they've destroyed their states. It's going to it's going to be years before they can really come back. But no, it's a uh, it's a total double standard, and the press understands that. But the press has been unbelievably dishonest and corrupt. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible how the governors, again, were heroes in your administration, despite being goats. And now the opposite story, because you're out of office. Uh, Let me move on to a different topic, if I may. Cori Bush, member of the squad, uh, she's a congresswoman. She came out this week and reignited calls to defund the police. This has been an absolute apocalypse for the Democrats, even though Joe Biden, during the campaign against you, was on the record saying, yeah, he'd be for reallocating some money away from police. This is right. going to be a disaster for them in 2022, isn't it? Well, I think it's going to be. I think we're going to do very well. We've done a great job. Look, we had the strongest border in the history of our country. Uh, another two months, we would have had the wall completed. Now they're paying billions and billions of dollars not to build the wall, not to complete it. We would have had it done in two months, maybe even less than that. Got to be painted or it's going to rust. They know that, but they don't want to do that either. They are just who knows where they're coming from? Look what's coming into our country. Who knows what they're doing? But I will tell you, uh, I watched her the other day. I watched the hatred. I watched the the statements that she was making. And uh, no, she wants to defund and they want to defund. You know, it's not a popular issue. So they're trying, some of them are trying to back off it, but they want to defund the police. They want like the uh, voter ID 
They don't want it. They don't want voter ID. Now, every once in a while, you'll see them come out. Oh, absolutely. We love voter ID because they're seeing poll numbers. It's 88 percent positive. So some of them are now saying, look, we can't ruin our political career over it. So all of a sudden they're saying we'll accept the voter ID. It's it's disgraceful. But they want to defund the police. And tell me that makes sense. Look at what's going on in New York. Look at the Look at the crime in New York. Look at this, the incidents that happen where they're beating up elderly people in the streets, beating them up. And the cops aren't doing anything. And our prosecutors, they're just after Republicans, guys like me, the prosecutors. They should be the, I think uh, the biggest problem is our prosecutors in New York and other places. Hold on a second. Now I want you guys to listen to this voter ID thing for a second. Senator Kramer was talking voter ID, but he was sneaking in vaccine passports. Take a listen. And also has introduced a bill that will require cities like New York who mandate proof of vaccination to also mandate voter ID. What an idea. The senator joins me now. Uh, senator, thanks for being here this morning. What, why are you doing this? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, Ashley, it seems just logical that, you know, if I have to show Mayor Blasio my something as personal and private as my health care records just in order to have a, a steak dinner in New York City, the least we should do is require people to prove they are who they say they are before they take on the very yeah. important responsibility of voting. I, and, and do I expect it to, you know, to pass with this Democratic uh, Senate and House? Probably not. But in addition to, to doing that, we make the point that there's a fair bit of hypocrisy in mon- many of these, uh, these passport um, rules and laws that we see coming at us. What kind of support, what kind of reaction have you had? Yeah, well, we just, uh, you know, just uh, <laughs> released it yesterday, of course, and we're going to let it yeah. percolate over August, and I expect we're going to get a lot of support from... Of course they are, because he put in vaccine passports. ...from colleagues that want to co-sponsor the bill. Interesting. All right, let's move on another subject, Senator. You say the bipartisan infrastructure bill isn't perfect, but would be a significant win for the country if it passes. Tell me why. Well, a couple of things. First of all, it it has as its primary purpose investment in an asset that moves commerce, whether it's, you know, on roads, uh, bridges, uh, you know, airplanes, rail, water. And of course, no, it's a bailout because no one's going to be taking that. No one is going to be taking any of the road, the railroads or airplanes. It's a freaking bailout for them. It's a bailout. Remember that. The infrastructure bill is a, ba- a bailout, a bailout for transport. They go after Republicans, but if you kill somebody, you're okay. It's a disgrace what's happening. And I don't think the country's going to stand for it much longer. They're, they're disgusted. They're destroying our country, whether it's at the border, whether it's on crime. I could say in plenty of instances, including military, you look at the leaders of military, the woke, the woke leaders of military, we have to focus on our great military for what it's supposed to be, to protect us against very powerful countries like Russia and China and others who don't exactly love us. Mr. President, can you stay with us through this brief break? Yes, go ahead, Dan. Sure. Thank you. We'll be we'll be right back with former President Donald Trump. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Unfiltered, and we're back with former President Donald Trump. Mr. President, uh, you've always, when you give speeches and you see an American flag, you made a point to grab the flag, hug the, hug the flag, embrace yourself in our country. You've been very proud of our country. Yet we have athletes in the Olympics supposedly representing our country 
deciding it's a good idea in front of an international audience to embarrass the country and, and take a knee. And you see ratings plummet as a result. Your thoughts on that? Well, the ratings do. It plummeted for the NFL. It plummeted for baseball. You see what's going on. But look at the soccer team, the women's soccer team. All of a sudden, they're not like they were. They were supposed to win the gold medal. But you know, the word woke means loser. If you're woke, you're going to lose. And ultimately, we're not going to let woke make loser. Love it, love it, love it. This country into a loser. But you watch that, and I watched some of the people, and I was very proud that some of the young women on the soccer team stood up proudly, and they stood up proudly against uh, all odds with uh, what they have to put up with on that team. But the word woke is loser, and our soccer team did not get the gold medal, uh, and they frankly didn't even come close to it. And uh, we, we are, uh, look, the country doesn't like it. I don't like it. And a lot of people have turned off to sports. Uh, LeBron James, they don't like him. The NBA didn't do great, but they did better after he was out. Uh, they don't want this. There's enough of it. They want to watch sports. They want to watch great athletes. They don't want politics in the middle of their sports games. And that includes the announcers, too. I hear some of these announcers. Uh, they're not big shots, that I can tell you. But I, I listen to what they say. And you just want to turn off the game. And many people do. You see the ratings, how bad they are. Mr. President, I appreciate your time. You've been very generous with it. Uh, one question for you about school closures. This is a hot issue right now. The teachers unions, remarkably, we saw a story out at uh, Fox News about the Chicago's teachers unions, which is implying they could shut down the schools again now. Parents, understandably, are really fired up. This could be upwards of three years of their children's lives uh, taken away from them. No social interaction, no school. It's just not the same on Zoom. It's just not the same thing. Your thoughts on that as a father yourself? Well, first of all, you mentioned Chicago. Let's talk about crime before we talk about that. But they're both just horrible. But where 70 people get shot over a weekend, 70 people, and many of those people die in Afghanistan, we haven't lost a soldier in a year and a half because of what I did in a year and a half. And yet in Chicago, you have 70, 80 people being shot some weekends. It's a disgrace. As far as the schools, the, the schools have to open. These young people are losing a big part of their life and they're not going to recover from it. The schools have to open what they're going through socially. I mean, they, they, they're not dealing with people. I don't think they ever, it's going to leave a scar on their lives. It's going to leave a psychological scar. We have to open our schools. I say, let the teachers get the vaccine. They should get the vaccine. I hope they do again. It's something I'm very proud of. I think if we didn't come up during the Trump administration with a vaccine, you could have 100 million people dead, just like you had in, in 1917. You take the Spanish flu, 100 million people, up to 100 million people died. I think we'd be in that territory. This has been great for the world. But the teachers, let them go, get the vaccine. Do you remember back in 1917, 18, 19, they had race wars, they had anti-maskers. All you have to do is, you know, peruse the Library of Congress and see yourself. They had advertisements of how they were using gauze. And at that point, they had four feet apart. And what came after that? The Great Depression. What came after that? Social Security. This is where you got tagged like an animal with a number. <laughs> See, this is how they work. Same playbook. It's been done so many times, so many versions. I'm actually so exhausted. Again and again 
and again and again, watching the same thing happen, only this time, they believe that they can have the comfort to rule. They believe that they would be able to do it with less people. This perfect. See, when they believe that they can do it with less people in their little closed circle, that's when they fucked up. See, before, there used to be many that ruled. You know, many, they were many and you were few. Now it's mm-mm, not the same. It's they are few and you are many. And the one thing that terrifies them is the people coming up. There was a video that I shared on Telegram showing, uh, you know, some fan running across with a banner and he was tackled. And then the police officer started beating the crap out of him. When he had him down, he wasn't armed or anything. He was just running across the field with some banner. And it was at that point that the goalie ran in and kicked the crap out of the cop. So everyone came in and then the cops started running because everyone was going to get them. See, there's a problem when people don't unify, when they can't see. Humans are evil when they're angry for the wrong reasons. When we're angry for the right reasons, we don't resort to evil acts. It's people that are empowered with misinformation and half-truths. I've said falsities and lies are nothing. Half-truths, now that shit's scary because it's really hard to disprove, especially nowadays where you have nothing. We are extremely lucky he moved this vaccine fast, fast forward. I'm telling you, if he didn't get behind it, they would have removed him. It's the whole world against us. And the rest of the world is watching us. They're hoping. People in France, in England, in Australia. I got a message from someone in Australia, and I'm like, I need you guys to put your thinking caps on. Australia is very proximal to no-fly zones, no marine zones. It was created for the queen to drop off criminals. It was a jail on an island. And if you actually look into the history of that island with those jails, and the only island that has animals that nobody else has, but they explain it to you like, oh, yeah, you know, there was like an earthquake and all these. Yeah, that's why penguins are only in the south. Hmm? Some escaped to South Africa, but they're a little bit different, right? So they tell you all these things and you eat it up. But if you actually look at the history, Australians will understand why they're actually very important. The only thing is they're so demasculinated as a nation of bending the knee so hard that they forget. See, they are able to hide history only up to a point. It would be very important to visit with the elders of the Aborigines there. Be very important to look at actual historical documents that the government doesn't have in their sequestered information logs. Then you'll find out how, you know, Australia could have taken this home, but they can't. Most of that good stuff they've already shipped overseas. But I'm sure there's a lot of people there with living history that can help. Let's listen to the ending of this interview. It's um, quite interesting how he shapes that Chicago has all these murders and we're talking about school. And someone so kindly said, well, we should have community homeschool. You guys, we have state groups. 
We have teachers in those groups. You guys in every county, you can find other parents within our groups and create your own school. You guys buy all the supplies and pay the teacher, right? Remember, President Trump already did that you can take your money and pay it to someone else. I mean, maybe we can work with that. Something we can do. Something definitely we can do. If your community does not allow your children to go to school, or if your community is putting a lot of strict rules and you're unable to remove them, that's how you do it. I don't know how they're being dealt with. They have different unions, but they have one in particular. They don't want to ever go back to work. It's crazy. Yeah. Our children need to be they need to be educated. You know, it's, it's turned out computers are wonderful and all of that. But one thing we've learned through college and school, the undergraduate, everything, is that being in the school is much better than looking at a computer screen. That's one thing almost everybody universally agrees to. And the children have to go back to school. Mr. President, last question, and we'll let you go again. Thanks for your time. The Biden administration's taken a shot at your economic record, which is kind of hilarious given how awful of a job they've done. Uh, they're claiming, uh, they're comparing the rebound from the coronavirus, the lows, um, to your record. Now, when you got into office, GDP grew well over the average of the eight Obama yeah. years. That's got to upset you given everything you did to juice the economy at the time, tax cuts and everything else. So the reason that it's our economy is doing well right now, relatively well, is because of the foundations that we built. What they're doing and the numbers that you're seeing are because of us, not because of them. Plus, what they're doing is a lot of artificial stimulus is being added in, which makes numbers look a little bit better. But the reason we're doing well is because of what we did. If you look at just prior to the virus coming in from China, we had the greatest employment numbers we've ever had. We had 160 million people working, African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, women, uh, people with diplomas, without diplomas, high schools without and with diplomas. Everybody at the top of the line in the history of our country, it was the strongest. And again, we've never had 160 million people working, not even close right now. So we had the best numbers we've ever had. Then we had the virus come in, and then I rebuilt the economy a second time. And they're just going off what I rebuilt. That's all they're doing because they're killing the economy. You're going to have inflation. is going to eat us alive. We were energy independent. We're no longer energy independent. I don't know if you saw, Dan, but they went to see – and they had meetings with Russia and OPEC to see if they would get us more energy. We had so much energy, we didn't know what to do with it. We were $1.87 a gallon for gasoline, and now we're up to $4.50, and it's going much higher. So what they're yeah. doing is going to destroy the economics of our country, and maybe more importantly, what they're doing at the border and other places, and with a lack of respect that other countries have for us, our country is being destroyed. Mr. President, thanks for your time. It's an honor to speak to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much, Dan. Okay, so that was a really bad interview. Very bad interview. Our president was the only one really doing something. I was really low energy and not good. But um, there are, like Whimsical said um, in, in the chat, there are a lot of great American patriots within the Tory Says groups that are doing amazing things. And don't, and don't forget, 
homeschooling is you get the money. You're the one applying it. And you don't have to have homeschooled kids within your house and your kitchen is different. They have social issues. Because you imagine with the people that you have at meetups that have kids, right, your age, right, you guys can create your own community. I'm sure there's a lot of nerds like me that are great at their topics. One person's great at history, the other one at physics, and you drop in twice a week and you teach them their curriculum. I I mean, if anybody in Ohio that's close by does that, I'd be more than happy to volunteer to help with biology and chemistry and physics and math. Um, this is how we do it. We, you know, the one thing it takes a really good community to grow and raise the next community with values. This way, the children don't have social anxiety. They're around kids that they will know that, you know, they feel safe with that, you know, they're buddies with in a community that's not indoctrinating them, but giving them pure out knowledge with love and affection the way it should be. Because nowadays, most teachers, they just go and get this certificate that says that they can teach early learning, and then they get one year of whatever specialty they do. And it's all about how to handle them as if they're made of glass. Children are not made of glass. In fact, they're boisterous. In fact, they're quite dangerous, right? They fear nothing. And they're like sponges. All they want to do is learn. And you can do that yourself. You don't need the school system. Um, you guys are getting together. You're seeing each other. How did they use it? How did the Amish do it? I'm just saying. I'm saying like all of them are math geniuses, but you know, they can learn things that they wouldn't learn in school. How to sew. Like they don't even do that anymore. People just don't do that anymore. Shop, you know, shooting. Hello. <laughs> you know, field trip to the gun range. Uh, <laughs> and they'll be loved. It'll be with kids that they don't have to fear what they say or how they look. I think that's pretty incredible. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, how they say, well, they go to school because they get free lunches. I'm pretty sure. How many of you have ever done the whole thing where your kids that, you know, play volleyball or basketball? I have every other game. Another mom is nominated to bring snacks and food for the whole freaking team. Have you ever fed 20 hungry teenagers that are doing, yeah, that's, you know, but you do it once every now and then everybody can do that. I mean, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's wanting to do that. You don't have to put them in the public school system. If you're working out of your house and somebody else isn't, you know, the community that you're getting to know is the community that's going to be there to support you through everything. That's the whole meaning of where we go one, we go all. We all support each other. Now, um, I wanted to, someone shared a clip with me uh, that I didn't get to hear today. And I want to share it with you because it's quite fascinating. Um, it was having um, Senator Kramer on and JP Morgan's um, CEO talking about their new hub in Fargo. So it starts with Senator Kramer again. Take a listen. The massive tax and spend Green New Deal. Coming up, North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer takes us behind the deal and he explains his across the country as the war of war. Forgotten. Uh, 
And now breaking news, the Senate is in the final minutes of agreeing to a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which has been criticized for only giving 23% to hard infrastructure like roads, bridges, and ports. The Wall Street Journal's Kim Strassel got into the debate on Friday, writing in the journal this op-ed. This bill is better viewed as step one of President Biden's Green New Deal, giving his appointees and federal bureaucrats tens of billions with which to remake the economy. So why did 17 GOP senators vote to proceed on the baser uh, end of the scale? Here's the dirty little secret. The bill fundamentally amounts to a heap of spending and some Republicans can spend with the best of Democrats. Let's ask one of those senators who voted yes to this bill. Joining me right now is North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer. He sits on the Senate Banking and Armed Services Committees. Senator, why are you in favor of this bill? Are you betraying the Republican base? Not at all, Maria, and thanks for the opportunity. In addition to those two committees, they also serve on the Environment and Public Works Committee and happen to be the ranking Republican on the transportation, uh, highway and transportation infrastructure or transportation infrastructure uh, subcommittee. And just to do a little math for Kim, who's generally very, very bright, we have, in addition to the bill that came out of uh, out of the uh, our committee, and, and then this compromise of the 1.2 trillion, 450 billion—that's over a third of it—is not just infrastructure; it's roads and bridges specifically. In addition to that, there's ports, waterways, railroads, uh, airports, uh, broadband, all of which are critical to the movement of goods and services around this country and around the world. We couldn't get North Dakota soybeans to uh, you know to South Korea if we didn't have ports in the in the uh, uh, Northwest Pacific Northwest, and we certainly couldn't get pasta to New York without trucks uh, getting the wheat from the from the field to uh, to the to the bins and then off to uh, the mills and, and the and the factories. So uh, I like Kim Strassel a lot. I think she's very bright. She's just very very wrong on this one, it, both in the math and in the well, purpose. Well, wrong. Let's look at what's in the bill. First of sure. all, let me ask you: Is there any money in this bill that goes to the border? Is there any acknowledgement from the acknowledgement from the Biden administration that we're in a border crisis and he needs to address it? Any money here in the border? Because I see resilience and water storage, environmental remediation, mm -hmm. energy department, power infrastructure, electric vehicles, nuclear companies, a lot of beginnings to the Green New Deal. Well, first of all, cybersecurity and resiliency of the grid is not a you know, exclusive to the Green New Deal. I think we've all experienced the problems with a, a lack of resiliency to our energy infrastructure. I mean, the colonial pipeline uh, cyber attack was a pretty good example of that. Now, are there some things that Democrats like? For sure. Are there some things missing that we would love? Of course there are, but this is a 50-50 Senate. Democrats have a majority in the House and the White House, so you're going to have to you know, take some of those things to get all the other really good things. And all of those other things that you've referenced aren't, again, exclusively uh, democratic principles. There, there are some uh, some other things that, some of those things that contribute to the overall infrastructure of our country. And this is all hard infrastructure, Maria. You might argue with some of it. I don't like the electric vehicle charging stations, for example. If I was king, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't support that. But unfortunately, our founders gave us something other than a king. 
Well, you're not a king. None of the Republicans are king, but it certainly seems like the Democrats act like kings. In addition to all of that money beginning a Green New Deal, it also dictates rules in areas that have traditionally been managed by local authorities, like drinking water, even as it miss, uh, muscles in on private sector uh, enterprises like broadband. So once again, we see the Democrats taking power away from the governors and putting it on the federal level. Is that fair? It is not fair. It may be fair in a couple of areas, um, regards to broadband, for example, but or water, uh, for example. But here's one thing that I fought really hard for: permitting reforms, such as maintaining the um, the the uh, permitting reforms that we put that Donald Trump put in as a, an order. He remember he had the rule that created the one federal agency or one federal decision rule that uh, that, that took t- uh, 10-year projects down to two years. Remember that whole 10 years to two-year argument? Well, Joe Biden repealed that on the very first day in office. We have we are codifying it in this law for roads and bridges. That, that's a major reform to, to permitting, along with agency coordination. It's what allows us to, to agencies to do things collaboratively and collectively rather than consecutively, shortening the time frame. frame. Um, it, it extends the, uh, the permitting council that was implemented about mm-hmm. four or five years ago, and that's for large private sector infrastructure projects uh, that include water projects, uh, large large highway projects, Corps of Engineers projects. So there's some major reforms there that would never have been agreed to by Democrats. Now, with regard yeah. to the southern border, obviously we're not going to get Democrats to agree to a bill that, that builds a wall. Why? I think that would be pretty why cool. Not? But why not? Why because- not? Why, why, why not just work for the American people? We've got a wide open border. We've got 6,000 people coming across the border every single day, 210,000 apprehended in the mm-hmm. month of July. Why mm-hmm. not demand that they fix the border before anything else? And by the way, are these pay-fors fictional? I mean, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget says that the infrastructure plan will add $400 billion to the deficit. Uh, Kim writes in the journal that all of these pay-fors are actually fictional. And let me just uh, end this question with uh, President Trump's commentary on it, because President Trump also had a, uh, a statement on the infrastructure package. And he says Joe Biden's infrastructure bill is a disgrace. Uh, it, it, uh, it will be used against the Republican Party in the upcoming elections in 2022 and 2024. It will be very hard for me to endorse anyone foolish enough to vote in favor of this deal. And you say... Well, he didn't give one reason why it's a bad deal other than it's Joe Biden's. And I understand that and I understand his frustration. And he's obviously got influence and has a, a legitimate opinion. But the fact of the matter is the American public, including the vast majority of Republicans, are very supportive of this. Everybody from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the Business Roundtable to my local convenience stores and, and labor unions support this bill. There's some nearly 200 organizations that have come out in support of this bill. We need roads and bridges. We're falling behind our comp- did you hear that? 200 somewhat organizations, but not people. Predators, particularly yeah. China, in, in, with regard to transportation infrastructure, it is what moves goods and services uh, around yeah. the world. So, uh, no, I, I, think I he's recognize wrong there's issue. a lot of support for this on, on both sides, definitely a lot of support in this. I, I get that. 
Real quick on these amendments, how much of the revenue raise is coming from new regulations and fees around crypto? And tell me specifically yeah. when you are going to open the door for this uh, debate on the five and a half trillion dollar spending plan. Are you trying to get this through by Wednesday of this upcoming week? Crypto told you. Well, we would like to get it through by Wednesday, preferably by Monday and better yet today, if it's at all possible. In terms of opening the door, the Democrats are going to do a much larger jam it down your throat tax and spending reckless deal. There's nothing that's going to stop that from happening. By passing this, however, we take hard infrastructure off the table for them because that's part of the negotiation with the moderate Democrats. And we make the next deal much more difficult politically for moderate Democrats to support. So we're actually, in passing this, I think have created a political advantage for moderates and for con for conservatives in this country. Because if we don't do this, the, the other the other outcome would be why would moderate Democrats ever trust or negotiate with Republicans again while they're in the majority when they could just blow up the filibuster and we we will be giving them every you know every argument to do so, Maria. So I think we're going to get this through. I, I don't expect that we'll get final passage before probably late tomorrow or maybe even Tuesday morning. Um, and, and, and okay. you know, it'll, it'll be a good move in the right direction. And then they're going to, they're going to open up the floodgates. I don't think there's any question at which time we will use this bill and every other argument possible to fight against the real opponent here. And that is the, the progressives in the democratic party. No, that's the rhinos. Now, before we, Finish today's short version of Tori says, I'm trying to make it short. It's not happening. Uh, we're going to listen to an interview with JP Morgan's CEO, which is so weird. Because why would they open up a branch in Fargo? Isn't that weird? You see stuff like this. I'm not breathless over it. And, you know, I think the biggest issue which you, you've companies and technology companies. I had the chance to catch up with the chairman and CEO of JP Morgan, Jamie Dimon, this week as he gets ready to expand in China. JPM was granted permission to own full control of a securities business in China. I started by noting the massive sell-off in Chinese stocks in the month of July with some $400 billion in investor losses because the CCP decided to change the rules and issue new edicts on business. So let me tell you something about China. I, I've spoken to this before. You are not allowed to have a securities firm in China unless China is part of it. So like, for example, when you hear the AG Allianz or Deutsche or, you know, any other company has an office in China, it's a sales rep office. And if they don't have an Asian fund, that has specific stocks that the CCP tell them they're not allowed to have it. I've mentioned this before because, you know, I interned in that shit. <laughs> um, so overseas. So um, this was quite fascinating because JP Morgan got their foot in the door there. And now they flipped the script, selling shit off. Listen. You and I have been around the block a little bit, right? We, how many times have we seen stuff like this? I'm not breathless over it. And, you know, I think the biggest issue, which you've, you've mentioned before, which I agree with you, I'd say about 15 years ago, the business community and the government should have started focusing on China, and we didn't. Not because we were bad, just people were kind of happy. They thought that China would, get, you know, would, would change over time, and they didn't. And we should have focused on it, and now we are. So I think the right thing to do is they are a strategic competitor. Uh, they they are you know using unfair subsidies in some cases try to win in global you know 
markets and stuff like that. And we should have proper policies. We can do them unilaterally. They can do them unilaterally. I don't think you see a decoupling. I think you see, you've already seen most of a massive restructuring. Yeah, but it's not just a competitive situation. They're making edicts that are impacting you. JPM was one of the lead underwriters on DD Global, yeah. and then they decide to undermine DD Global. Yeah. How much money did JP Morgan lose on the DD Global deal? Life in the fast lanes. Did you did you change? Is it going to sway you in any way on being the manager for the next big China deal? It might, but I, again, don't get breathless over it. We do business in 100 countries, and we do what we do it under the laws of those lands and under the law of America as they apply. Think of Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, sanctions, and OFAC, and uh, 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 things like that, so that we will adopt and change so we can serve our clients in the proper way under the law and, and foreign policy set by the American government, not set by J.P. Morgan. I am not as worried about China as everybody else. And remember, America can do things unilaterally. If we don't want to buy Huawei, we don't. If we don't want to do X, we don't. We don't want to buy some. And they can do the same thing. Countries have the right to do unilateral things. And my guess is we'll find a common ground. And, you know, the strategic and America is doing the right thing, by the way, to reaching out to our allies. Our biggest weapon is our allies to set global terms of trade. And, you know, about all these issues you read about tariffs and state-owned sub, you know, subsidies and stuff like that. I'm not as worried about it as other people. America will still be the most prosperous nation on the planet. It'll be smaller than China, but still far more prosperous in 20 years. Maybe, but the Xi Jinping and his uh, colleagues want to overtake the United States as the number one superpower. They used 2020 yeah. to gain more ground. They invaded India and they killed soldiers. They went into Hong Kong. They started throwing all the freedom yeah. fighters in jail. They have Xinjiang and slave labor right now. Two administrations, the Trump administration and the Biden administration, both told us that they are committing genocide. You're Jamie Dimon. People look at you for leadership. You're going to go in there and open up shop now and expand your operations in China after what we know about the CCP? We've had plans for like 30 years around going China. And unfortunately, we just said you could say about a lot of countries around the world. When we do something in a foreign country, we follow American foreign policy. You may not believe this, but American foreign policy wants a J.P. Morgan to properly expand to serve American companies, other companies, and to be part of that. If at the point in time they decide they don't want us to do it, we simply will not do it. And so it's not it's not every country can do whatever company can do whatever it wants. So uh, and again, I'm not I, those some of those things you mentioned are terrible. I think they're barking up the wrong tree. The fact that you know they don't have to adhere to our U.S. accounting standards. They don't have to now until 2023. How can you justify investing in these companies when you don't even know if the earnings are real? And by the way, they could be tied to the Chinese military that is trying to overtake this country. Well, that's a that's a different issue. If it relates to national security. The American government's going to tell me what to do. And I will salute. I'm a patriot way before I run J.P. Morgan. So that's what we follow. We speak to them all the time about things like this. And so, you know, and I said we do business in a lot of countries. A lot of countries don't have the same accounting principles, the same rule of law, the same ownership principles, the same enterprise. We still do business in those countries on that land. And over time, the world is better off for it. So I, I'd be a little cautious to get too breathless over this particular issue. I, I understand. But I do think that this is as it relates to China, it is national security. I have a couple of questions from some shareholders of yours. Do you expect your credit card customers to have any privacy? Are you going to have to send all their data to the CCP? Do you think you're going to operate on a level playing field? Like I get. What about upstream dividends from the bank? Are you are you do you really this believe shareholders? Do you, yes. Do you really believe J.P. Morgan's going to be in charge of J.P. Morgan China? 
Yes. You do? I do. You think and, you're going to be able and, to make money dat, and take it out of dat China? Data sharing is a real issue, but we do not share our data with the Chinese government. And again, you know, this gets, becomes very complex because every country now, every country is talking about whose data sits where and stuff like that. So, uh, we, and so we, we're going to be very careful now. We're at the forefront of protecting the privacy of our people, the privacy of data, et cetera. And I think, you know, dividends will be regular way. You think any contract you... Wait a minute. Ashley Babbitt's fingerprints were sent supposedly to an email address that was Chinese. Um, JP Morgan Chase is now telling you, no, 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 we, we, we protect your data. But according to Obamacare, it's not protected. You sign will be backed by a rule of law we in are, China. In every country, when we sign a contract, different rules apply. We know what the rules are in China. That does not mean I like them. We just sign with our eyes open. Mm. Right, I mean, me, a lot of these let things. Let me move yeah, on. Yeah. 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 The national security issue, I think, is real. And uh, when I said you're Jamie Dimon, I, I meant I know you for a long time. You're not in it just for the money. Or is it just about the money? No, of course not. I'm a patriot way before I worry about any money or anything like that uh, or about J.P. Morgan per se. But we you, you should you should imagine that foreign policy of the United States is set by the government of the United States. If you start telling companies that they should be saying their own foreign policy, you're actually making a huge error for the United States. My thanks to chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, coming up, former director of national intelligence. OK, so. That was that. And now I want us to look at what Ratcliffe had to say quickly so we can take a look at that. Hold on. In China and we'll continue to invest in China while also operating a very responsible global supply chain. That was Nike CEO defending how Nike's doing business in China. Yes, responsible. That was the CEO of Nike all in on doing business in China, despite the very significant national security threats and human rights abuses. Joining me right now to discuss the Communist Party and corporate America, the man who told us months ago that COVID-19 likely escaped from the Wuhan lab and China is covering it up. Former Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe. John, it's great to see you. Thanks very much. I believe during the 100th year anniversary speech, Xi Jinping discussed corporate America as a way in to America in some ways. They're already on the inside of this country. Your reaction to what you've heard this morning? Yeah, no better example than your interview with Jamie Dimon. As I listened to Mr. Dimon, um, I was struck by the fact that very little of what he said is consistent with U.S. intelligence on China or consistent with China's actions in the global marketplace. He kept calling them a strategic competitor. They're not. Uh, they're an unlawful, dishonest competitor in the world marketplace. But more importantly, they're our number one adversary, our top national security threat. They want to supplant us as the world's superpower. And most importantly, they want to subjugate us to communist rules and order in the, in the world marketplace. And quite frankly, Maria, it is those Wall Street investment banks that have been the biggest perpetrators of this false narrative of China as some noble strategic competitor. And they, and they do so because... Those, those investment banks are selling trillions, not billions, but trillions of, of, of dollars in uh, debt and equities in Chinese companies to U.S. investors and retirees. They're literally banking on the success of China and the Chinese Communist Party over U.S. national security interests. So, you know, I, I was really troubled by, by what uh, Mr. Diamond said. And he, uh, three times he said, you know, we shouldn't get China acts like any other country in the world and we shouldn't get breathless over them. That's just simply not true. There is no country 
who has done more to damage the world economy or the citizens over the world uh, uh, over the past few years than China. China and China alone is yeah. responsible for millions and millions of deaths from uh, from from COVID-19 and, and the actions that they took to cover it up. So, you know, it's about time that uh, we have an honest discussion about who China is and, and not allow these false narratives to be perpetrated. Uh, Chinese. OK, let me just give you a little bit of heads up. So the fact that all these companies are now penetrating into China, it's not because China won. One thing that um, I've made mention and you <laughs> probably have seen it in movies is that um in order to spy and to keep control over other countries, you hire executives. Mm. This is why people like Mark Cuban, you know, all the CEOs, Byrne, are tapped to execute activities on behalf of the U.S. government. So the fact that the corporations are entering into agreement, not looking at the organ harvesting, not looking at the genocide, not, oh, well, you know, other countries have their flaws, yet they'll talk shit about people who sell coffee and it's not, uh, what do they call it? Ethically sourced. <laughs> They're sending their nannies into the corporations. China was set up to take the hit. China thought that they could come aggressive. This is Mao all over again. He fucked up. Xi Jinping fucked up. He should have backed. But who says he isn't? See, a lot of people don't see what's going on in the background. And this is going to get real interesting fast. Very interesting. Very fast. Very interesting. Very fast. Firms have raised about $76 billion through IPOs in the U.S. in the past decade. Uh, you've got uh, China Telecom now wanting uh, to raise even more. China Telecom just this past week uh, talking about raising $7.3 billion, $7 billion in the top listing of 2021, John. And here is how Roger Robinson explained it to me. Roger Robinson Jr., when he joined me on Fox Business last week, the greatest financial scandal in world history. The multi-trillion dollar underwriting by a democracy of a totalitarian police state bent on its utter destruction, courtesy of greed-driven Wall Street firms and corrupt government regulators at the Treasury and the SEC. Where is Biden's government? Why, where is Biden's administration here, John? Why is it that they are telling us that uh, the Chinese companies can still avoid answering U.S. Uh, audits? I mean, they, they don't even have to uh, report their true earnings and of course they're being subsidized by the ccp and investors are just buying it as if the numbers are real and they don't even follow sarbanes-oxley right the way other, well, the every other company the, does the reason for that is maria as, you, as you've outlined there are there are financial and economic reasons and there's also political reasons that folks don't want china to be the bad guy they don't want to be the villain they want to put um the uh, number of 1.4 billion Chinese and the profits that can be made there over the interests of, of a number like 600,000, which is the number of American deaths and counting from China's treachery and their actions to cover up uh, uh, COVID-19 and, and, its, and its origins. And so, you know, the Biden administration and I think, frankly, administrations uh, of all Western democracies should uh, approach policy decisions with regard to accountability for the great tragedy caused by by China and you know restitution e for for economic losses and for loss of life 
should be part of uh, foreign policy um, by Western governments with regard to China going forward. That's the only way we hold China accountable. Instead of complaining about it, countering it, and the Biden administration has a, a wonderful opportunity to lead on this, I doubt they'll have the courage to do so. Well, I mean, look, I mentioned China Telecom. They raised money in Hong Kong because now the CCP sees Hong Kong as the only place its companies can raise money. I mean, just the crackdown in Hong Kong alone should have been enough for the G7 countries to say, we can't accept this. The CCP coming in 20 years too soon and and getting the goose step police in there and, and, and throwing freedom fighters in jail. Global companies are now looking at the exits out of Hong Kong. Jamie Dimon told me as well his operation was impacted by the crackdown yeah but you 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 highlighted you let in with the with the clip from you know from nike ceo who's saying you know we are of and for china um and they're investing heavily in china i mean it, it shows the hypocrisy of of you know corporate interests in this country i mean you know china is supporting you know the chinese or uh, uh, nike is supporting the chinese communist party with with their policies they're you know they're a company that criticizes um u.s policy policy, but they won't step out on, on China. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, again, you have companies putting profits um, uh, over national security interests, and it's time for the Biden administration to be clear-eyed and take decisive action in terms of countering um, all of the terrible things that, that, that China has done that are really, um, that are not debatable. Yeah, well, which is why we constantly mention all of the conflicts of interest in the Biden family and how much money uh, Hunter Biden made in China, because you have to ask your question wh yourself whether or not this is because of the conflicts of interest. But look, I wanna move on. I wanna move on to more shocking news at the Southern border. All right, so having said that, now that we've seen what they're doing with China, <laughs> and I, you'll see that unfold slowly. I, I know many of you are getting it. Uh, we're going to start to see uh, things that are weird. Uh, you, those of you that have followed me on Twitter, whenever when Joe Biden threw his hat in the race, what did I say? Face off. Face off. Face off. That's not him. Face off. Here's a clip from a movie. Let's watch it together. Lincoln Six Echo choices are fruit, oatmeal, and any type of brand. No bacon today? You got a nutrition flag means no bacon. On that case, I'll have two eggs over easy, not too runny, and a side of sausages. Maybe some French toast and a little powdered sugar. You ain't cute, and I got no time for your lips, Six Echo. Now, what's it gonna be? 
Move it. Surprise me. Surprise. Yummy. Next. Watch and learn. Next. Jordan to Delta. Hi, honey. Hi. Our choices are powdered eggs, dried fruit, and yogurt. Um, eggs, please. Okay. So where were you the other day? We missed you. That's nice of you to say, sweetheart. <laughs> Get you anything else? Maybe a little bacon. No. It says I shouldn't. Go ahead. Four, five pieces, please. Thank you. I softened her up for you. No doubt. Back on your diet, huh? Are you kidding? I love this stuff. Well, you better eat up. You're going to need all your strength tonight. Is that a challenge? I promise I'll go easy on you. Please separate. Find your seats now. So that was from the actual last movie I ever watched with my father. Um, now let's look at about let's look at some really cool news about an island, an island of secrets. Hmm, what's that all about? Tropical beaches and clear seas have made Mauritius a popular destination for high-end tourists. In 30 years, tourism has transformed this country, once dependent on agriculture, into a glamorous Indian Ocean resort. The Indian Ocean is one of, if not the most important bodies of water in the world right now. But away from the tourists, on a barely accessible outer island, Al Jazeera's eye unit discovers that a secret military base is being built. There's no real reason why this island would be developed other than for military use. The government says all the construction work is simply to improve the lives of its residents. There is no agreement to set up a military base in Agaliga. The island's residents don't believe their government and fear for their future. Mauritius is in the Southwest Indian Ocean. It's made up of four island groups, the largest, Mauritius, Rodriguez, also a tourist destination, the St. Brandon Reef, and the Agalega Islands. Now, like I said, we're going to be examining some really freaky place next week. Golden Sands, the two islands of Agalega, have not been developed for tourism. Around 300 people live here. Fishing and coconut farming provide the main sources of income. We analyzed satellite imagery from early 2019 and find a surge of activity on the Northern Island. 
transport facilities are expanding. Before this, there was a small shoreline jetty. Supply ships had to anchor in deeper waters and use small boats to carry goods ashore. Now jetties extend into the sea. Two structures with cranes are also visible, indicating a second L-shaped jetty is under construction. So we see the jetties that are extending far away from the beach into much deeper ocean. And then we have the much larger construction project coming out here, much further into the deeper duck waters, which is a lot more conducive to hosting larger ships. Videos shot by the island's residents show the growth in building work. There is new housing, but who's moving in? A new runway is also under construction. The island has a short runway. It's only suitable for small prop planes, like those belonging to the Mauritian Coast Guard. By April 2019, land clearing begins nearby. The new runway takes shape. The runway is paved by the end of 2020. It's more than three kilometers long. It looks like it probably accommodates some larger passenger aircraft and could also accommodate, I assume, military transport and control aircraft. They've got an apron built on a two, which is basically a parking lot for planes. They don't just expect to have small puddle hoppers come in and out. They expect to have some larger planes come in that are going to have to stop and refuel and hang out for a bit. In March 2021, trucks, diggers and excavators continue clearing land. A deforested area near the northern tip has become home to hundreds of construction workers. While developing the island for the local inhabitants is important, there was not much reason for gigantic construction projects such as this. There are offices, shipping containers, and large quantities of building material. Locals don't believe the Mauritian government's claims that the construction is for them. Samuel Bashfield believes the structures are being prepared for military use. In this area here, we can see what potentially could be the, the military base or the military facility. So there's a few sports fields there that could use for sport or even as a parade ground. Mauritius doesn't have an air force, only four Coast Guard planes. Its navy consists of small ships that focus on smuggling, piracy and rescue missions. There's no real reason why this island would be developed other than for military use. The runway is considerable in length, about 3,000 metres, which is capable of hosting maritime surveillance aircraft. And that the port facilities, you know, do have the hallmarks of being for military use. To find out who is constructing these military facilities, we examine where materials for the construction are coming from. 
we discover that in 2020, one ship spent significant time near Agalega. We find the name of the ship using its automatic identification system. AIS is a tracking system that assigns a unique identifying number to a vessel. It transmits radio signals that allow maritime authorities to monitor ships. By identifying the AIS transmissions at the same latitude and longitude as the satellite image, we verify the ship's identity. AIS tracking reveals that one vessel was remaining near the northern tip of Agalega, moving very slowly at 0.6 knots. It's registered as the Glockham. Two smaller vessels are spotted on its starboard side. Two cargo holes on the deck appear open, indicating that goods were probably being removed from the holes. We compare the satellite image with marine traffic photos. Notice the forward mast and distinctive antenna. There is room for the two central cargo holds. There's also a prominent dark funnel. The ship is owned by an Indian company based in Mumbai. We plot the Glockham's past AIS transmissions to find the port calls and journeys that were taken in 2020. Since February, the Glockham spends over a week at Visakhapatnam, India's third largest state-owned port. There's also an Indian naval base there. It's the headquarters of the Eastern Naval Command. The Glockham stays for more than six months near Agalega. In May 2021, it leaves and heads for Kanna in Kerala state. The Glockham is not the only vessel that makes the journey to Agalega in 2020. The I-Unit tracks seven ships that travel from Indian ports as part of the construction project. Eyewitness accounts provide further evidence linking the construction to India. La Social media posts by workers reveal that the construction company is AFCON's infrastructure, headquartered in Mumbai. The I-Unit obtains the company's financial records. The cost of the project is the equivalent of 250 million US dollars. Tucked away in a 400-page budget document is evidence that the Indian government is funding the project. In 2016, it allocated 4.4 million US dollars for experts from the Ministry of Defense to conduct a survey on Agalega. The mission was to strengthen India's maritime surveillance capacity.
des trois officiers militaires qui font va et vient, qui viennent qui peuvent suivre le travail. Et derrière, dernièrement, je peux bypass le président manager, je peux montrer les autres qui peuvent administrer les îles, je peux prendre l'autre pour les autres. C'est un absolu, um, perfect spot pour une militaire base. I think that 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 southern southwestern Indian Ocean area is an increasing hotspot. The Indian Ocean is one of, if not the most important bodies of water in the world right now, and it's the site of increasing geopolitical tension because you have the resident power, India, and a rising China, who has now, for the first time in its history, and I mean in its entire history, a blue water navy that allows it to project power globally. China built its first foreign military base in 2017 in the Horn of Africa at a cost of nearly $600 million. For India, tying Mauritius more into its influence, making sure that India remains the partner of choice, insulates Mauritius from overt Chinese influence, which India sees as a good. Mauritius and India signed a memorandum of understanding in 2015 concerning the development of Agalega. The agreement describes the construction as the upgrading of infrastructure that will ameliorate the condition of the inhabitants of this remote island. Our agreement today on the development of Agalega Island is a major stride in our cooperation in infrastructure sector. There is no mention of a military base. Despite public denials, Indian military officers confirm in private the visual evidence that we have gathered. When you interact with, you know, like former naval personnel or current or serving uh, ministry officials and all, like then you get an idea as to which direction this is heading. I have gotten that impression that the base will be used for, you know, berthing of our ship. Uh, the runway will be mostly used for the P-81 aircraft. P-81 is useful for anti-submarine warfare, for anti-surface warfare. To what extent this will help increase India's presence quite ex uh, exponentially. It is important for India's size as a regional power. The secrecy surrounding the military facility has drawn parallels with events at Diego Garcia on Chagos Island, which was once part of Mauritius. Mauritius's former colonial ruler, Britain, turned Diego Garcia into a military base and leased it to the US in a secret deal. The island was forcibly depopulated. The people who left voluntarily to go to Mauritius for healthcare or to do shopping, they weren't allowed back. And then by 1973, all the people who were left in the Chagos archipelago were all rounded up and all deported. In Agalega, there is potential for you know a similar type of event happening. Those who've left Agalega today. So remember, they left to go shopping or get healthcare in the other island, and then they weren't allowed to come back. Say they are not allowed to return. No doubt life will be very different on the island once this military base is finished. You don't want people walking through a military base, that's for sure. 
si depuis avant nous dans la tétite qui nous ça pour nous dans dire comment nous dans nous parce que moi dit vous gauche ouais la tétite toi je nous perdre nous il qui vous fait que nous après vous peut trouver vous les autres peuples exploite ça l'île là mais nous en tant que citoyens que nous nés là-bas nous pas peut capable à guette nous l'île le papa capable de aller salir là pour respirer un petit peu salaire que nous prenons naissance. India, as well as Mauritius, want to keep the true purpose of the construction a secret. We cannot be seen as someone who is supporting militarization of our region. We are concerned that China has acquired its first overseas base in Djibouti. For us to go and do the same thing will be uh, hypocritical. The Mauritian Prime Minister has been asked about the construction. Let me reiterate most emphatically and in unequivocal terms that there is no agreement between Mauritius and India to set up a military base in Agaliga. Issues of sovereignty and all that is the main reason why we can't outrightly term it as either a military base or a military facility these are all based i mean matters of national security there is no agreement between mauritius and india to set up a military base in agaliga but it is a military base so to any normal person in, in a way yeah so we agree it is a military base yeah we do <laughs> so as you can see they're denying that it's a military base right and what was the movie that uh movie clip I showed you with that bacon thing? It was called The Island. So I'm going to end this feed with a song and then we have movie night and we're going to travel back in time to 1978. <laughs> the day I stepped. Well, it wasn't the day I stepped in, but it was the year. Here we go. See you right after this in prison to silence their vision genetic copies going home after they look different eyes shifted smile missing skin lifted it's scientific if they can't control you they erase the old you get your duplication to enforce their message the clone gucci clone kodak clone eminem he ain't raps his encore know that cloning rappers when they overdose to keep making money from producing more tracks the game is a sham turning the artists who challenge the sacrificial lambs the labels and devils are shaking hands creating our artists and labs the executions have been televised they're on TMZ like a night